Street Pete. Now welcome back to my show. Ha <laughs> Yo, yo, yo. What up? What up? What up, friends? And welcome to the Ball and Bugs Podcast. I am your host, Omar Fonseca. And as always, thank you uh, for tuning in. <laughs> yes, welcome back to another episode of the Ball and Buds podcast, episode number 53. Welcome back, my family, my friends, and uh, we thank you. Because we know that it would not be possible without your support. So thank you again. Also, make sure you do all that other good stuff. Tell your friends about the podcast. Share it. Like, subscribe, rate, review. Bada bada bing bada bing bada boo. And also hit us up at our email, ballandbuds at mvpsmb.com. Again, ballandbuds at mvpsmb.com. It is ballandbuds at Amazon Mama because I love my mama. And now, a programming update. Next Saturday, March 4th at 6 p.m., featuring your favorite combat sports, boxing, MMA correspondent, and overall Ball and Buds correspondent, media journalist, podcast hero, Clubber D, the Combat G. So please make sure you join him and I live for UFC 285, John Jones's return versus Cyril Gone from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Woo! Trying to reclaim his spot as the pound-for-pound pound number one fighter in the world. So again, make sure you join Clubber D and I next Saturday for our live pre-show. Go ahead and sign up for notifications at our YouTube channel at Ball and Buds, B-A-L-L-A-N-D-B-U-D-S. You can put that with the at sign after YouTube.com. By the way, since you're listening to this podcast right now anyways, why don't you just go ahead and do us a favor? Go ahead, go down on the phone you're listening to us on there. I'm going to wait for you to do it and walk you through it. Uh, now I want you to type in or go to your YouTube app. Probably have a YouTube, everybody has a YouTube app. Go to your YouTube app. If not, then type in YouTube on your interwebs browser. Then what I want you to do is type in after the URL at ball and buds, B-A-L-L-A-N-D-B-U-D-S, or on your YouTube app, just search ball and buds, and you will find us. Then I want you to click on the live tab on the channel because that way you can find the scheduled live pre-shows before they happen or any other live shows we have in the future so make sure you're always uh checking there if you're not and you should be uh subscribed to be notified so while you're there go ahead and as the young kids say smash that subscribe button uh, give your boys to subscribe, give your boys uh, a like. So anyways, and then once you get to the live channel, go ahead and you see the UFC 285. Click on that bad boy and then hit the notify me button. Message. Join us. We would love to have you. Uh, we even engage with the people in the comments. So it is a great time. Last time, somebody named Control, who we still have no clue who this is, and tried to bet Clubber D a thousand dollars on the Volkanovski Mahachev fight. Uh, Clubber D said he was out of control. If you haven't seen the video, I suggest you go watch it because it is hilarious. And boy, oh boy, do we have a hum dinga! Also back joining us today 
is our NBA and NCAA insider, Jay, from Unfair Sports, where they take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. Go check them out on all your streaming platforms. Again, Unfair Sports, and they also have a YouTube channel as well. So please go support Jay and Unfair Sports. He is back to join us in talking all things NBA, NCAA, and even a little bit of NFL Super Bowl action as we will get his opinion on that. So, buckle in, strap up, let's get hit. Shout out to my new friend! But first, you know how we like to start here at the Ball and Muds podcast with Omar's Overture. So let's kick this bad boy off. VA stand up. Yes, Virginia stand up, baby. Our intro is coming in hot and heavy today. Uh, I was going to talk about how much of a disappointment the slam dunk contest has been in recent years because I expected it to be a dud again. Well, my friends, was I and pretty much everybody else in the world sorely, sorely mistaken. Nope. Denied. Instead, the slam dunk was resurrected with new life due to a small in stature, but huge in heart, 6'2 guard from Virginia, yes, my home, and he went to Georgetown, Mac McClung, baby, yes, 35 years later, after MJ versus Neek's classic, when Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins went head-to-head in a crucial battle, which actually spanned a few different contests, uh, but they had to desperately fill out this lineup, even choosing this unknown Matt McClung at the last minute. He wasn't even on an NBA team until that day when the 76ers signed him. Uh, I'll just tell you what Shaq said. Shaq said, I want to give a shout-out to Mac McClum. He definitely saved the dunk contest. That was a beautiful performance. I haven't seen the fans that excited in a long time. Thank you, Mac McClum, who recorded three perfect scores out of his four attempts um, and pretty convincingly won the dunk contest. His first 50-point dunk was over two people, one on the other's shoulder, with a tap off the backboard and a dunk. Like, crazy for that to be your first dunk. Then he came for his second perfect score with a 360 reverse windmill. And then finally, to top it all off, he did what most people are calling a 540 reverse Definitely wasn't a 540. If you go back even and watch in slow motion, he starts with his back to the basket, ends with his back to the basket. So it technically was only a 360 reverse, but he's special on the stuff that he added to it because he added the spin off the rim and then an extra spin when he hit the floor to make everybody think it was like a 540 or a 720 or whatever. Either way, it was fucking awesome. Thank you for bringing the dunk contest back. I'm excited to see him next year and see who else might come out to try to challenge him. Obviously, we're not going to see the LeBrons or the John Morants or the Zions or anybody like that. But hopefully some of these young cats will get out there and try to challenge him for that title. But right now, VA is holding it down. VA, stand up. Mac McClung, stand up. DMV 703, stand up, holla at your boy. Damn, Daniel. Damn, Daniel. Damn, Daniel. Damn, Daniel. Back at it again with the white man. Dusty, man. Damn.
And now, without further ado, he is our NBA and NCAA insider, Jay from Unfair Sports. We have one of our favorite buds and an all-star in his own podcast, which is called Unfair Sports, where they take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. And y'all better check that out because that is a great podcast. My brother, Jay from Unfair Sports, how are you doing, my friend? Doing well, man. Doing well. Thanks for having me again, Omar. There's a lot going on in sports to always talk about. Oh, you know it. Sweet. I didn't even notice your shirt. That coffee shirt is amazing. I am Hey, coffee's for closers only. Remember that. Ah, I love it. Awesome. Well, let's jump right into it. The first thing I really want to, I know we don't ever, we don't usually talk NFL, me and you, but I do want to get your thoughts because you did talk about a little bit on your newest episode of the podcast. So everybody go check that out for the detailed Super Bowl analysis. But can you just give us your quick thoughts on it? Oh, yeah. I mean, Super Bowl was probably one of the better ones we've had in the last few years, if you really think about it. Um, it was a close game. It went down to the wire. I know some people are upset about the call or whatnot, but I'm the type of person that I like the rules to be enforced. If they're seen, enforce the rules. I mean, the refs didn't really insert themselves in the game because the only reason why Mahomes threw the ball away is because he saw the flag come out. If he didn't see the flag come out or the flag did not come out, that was going to be a catch, probably for a touchdown. So the game would have still probably ended the exact same way or worse. So Outside of that, man, it was a great game. Great battle between two quarterbacks. I think Jalen Hurts has now emerged. Um, I'm actually going to record something after this for my pod and uh, have it launched this afternoon, early afternoon. On uh, It's about time we might talk about uh, paying your boy Jalen Hurts. Looking at the numbers and everything, he's about that point where you probably want to go ahead and write that man a check. He is everything that... I thought he was going to be coming from Alabama. I was one of the very few people in the world that was a very big advocate of Jalen Hurts. And um, I have a few friends that can vouch for that because they all laughed at me when I said that, hey, man, I think he could be an NFL guy. And they're just like, what? Him? He just had everything set up for a team that really did not like passing the ball, uh, especially at Alabama. And then when he got to Oklahoma and was able to put up 4,000 yards in a very pass-friendly system, and rush for over a thousand yards. I'm like, yeah, that's an NFL quarterback. Um, he'll figure it out. He'll put it together. And the fact that he has two ways of being dangerous is big. But enough about Hurts. Real quick on Mahomes. Hey man, he's probably one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen. With the stuff that he can do and the way that he does it, we have to stop pretending like we've seen this before because we haven't. We ain't seen nobody do throw the ball vertically while <laughs> a line parallel with the ground. The man's a monster. Let's give it his respect. I think we're watching a legend. We're watching. We're witnessing greatness, and we should appreciate that. With all six stones, I could simply snap my fingers. They would all cease to exist. I call that mercy. And so, follow up, which is the question everybody's asking. You know, the hot, the hot topic, the debate. Do you think he catches Tom Brady? No, that's a tough one. And the reason why I say that is because it's not on Mahomes' back to do that. That's on the front office. You got to rec- remember that, that Bill Belichick was very good at manipulating not only the cap, but bringing in solid defensive players. Those defenses were always top 10 that Tom Brady had. The seasons that they won Super Bowls, they had top 10 defenses. And that's something that you cannot, you're not, you can't predict. Mainly because, one, it's a game of attrition. How healthy will you be by the end of the season? Mm. With Mahomes on the team, you don't want to bet against him because there is a good chance he can will you to some victories. But that's taxing once you get further and further and further into the playoffs. So I want to say that it's a possibility if the stars align defensively. Yeah, he, he can surpass Tom Brady. But we have to also put it in effect uh, – Think about the fact that his front office has to make sure they put something around him on defense. Now, one thing, though, he's got a quarterback-friendly contract. Now, it sounds weird. Say what? It does sound weird. But that $400 million contract he signed with the 10-year deal, that's going to look very cheap once this new TV contract comes into play in 2025. Over time, he'll be in the middle of the pack of pay, but he still made $400 million. Keeping it a buck. That's going to be very helpful in building that defense. 
that is just crazy in its own right. I mean, you just blew my mind saying that like a $450 million contract, which right now we think is like him and Mike Trout is just like crazy money. But there's so much money coming in, pouring in that. Wow. It might be a Tom Brady friendly type contract, man. Because I mean, right now, I think in two years, 2025, he'll make about like 60 something. He'll have like a 60 something million dollar mm. cap hit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then the following year, he'll be at the 40 to 45 range. And I mean, right now, Aaron Rodgers has a 50 million dollar hit. So think about it that way. Once you start seeing everybody gets paid from Lamar, I mean, Kyler's contract, Deshaun Watson's deal, that deal's going to look a lot smaller. Josh Allen, um, Justin Herbert's contract's going to be massive. All those deals are going to be way more friendly to this team long term. So kind of thought it was a great deal. Wow, that's crazy in retrospect because at the time it definitely didn't seem like it. Um, but you're completely right about all the money that's pouring in into all of the sports. And I agree with you on the Jalen Hurts one as well. Um, I know I've already been hearing uh, you know, the rumors about a massive extension in Philadelphia. And you're right, he is their franchise quarterback. And once you find that, you've got to hold on to that. And I, as a Raider fan, know because we've had Derek Carr for the past 10 years. <laughs> Hey, and I love yeah, you got Carr. you got to try, you got to ride it out because you never know. I mean, and, and the Derek Carr piece, man, he put up some numbers and he did well. It's just unfortunately not having everything around that you need. Yep. At the same time as the stability of coaching, kind of makes mm. it tough. So I feel bad for Derek. He got his nine years in. He showed that he was an NFL quarterback, just not one that can carry the load. And that's kind of one of those. I think it's a little unfair for us to think every quarterback has to carry the entire load. He's a grown-up. I'm going to put it to you like this. I've gained way more respect for him, especially after the Henry Rudd situation and the way that he was able to speak eloquently in, in regards to everything. He's the grown-up in the room, just like Jalen Hurts is the grown-up in the room in Philadelphia. Um, the problem for him is, is just that his talent, he isn't the guy that can just carry you and will you all the way by himself. Um, he's not the guy that's going to get you a touchdown in 13 seconds. Do you see what I'm saying? That's right. the difference between a Mahomes and a Derek Carr mm. type of caliber player is what do you look like on a drive? I mean, to be honest, Baker Mayfield showed us that with the with the Rams when he did that game-winning drive after only having the playbook for two days. You got to have the capabilities of doing oh, it if, if you're good enough. I mean, I know. I know it hurts, but – that's the big piece is, is that when you can show that you can do that, you can carry a team quickly in a two-minute drill and get a touchdown and win the game and put the ball in the right spots, that's not a talent that every quarterback has, unfortunately, because it's not easy to manage everything by yourself. Mm-hmm. Not very everybody can do that. It, it, it's, 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 that's where those margins are super thin when it comes to playing quarterback. It's, it's a game of inches, but the margins are super thin. Got to keep that in mind when it comes to your quarterbacks. Yes, that, that is a, that's the main point, right? Like, if you have that franchise quarterback or somebody even good enough like a Derek Carr, if you can put the pieces around him, like you said, then you and you like Derek Carr. Our defense was bottom ten most of the time. He was even quarterback. What is he supposed to do with that? Like, I mean, you can, like you said, quarterback should not be carrying the team. If you're Patrick Mahomes, sure, but he he's like you said, another talent that we've never even seen before. So that's totally another level than Derek Carr. And I can I mean, think about it. And, and think about this, though. The the Chiefs have hosted five straight AFC championship games. Cool. But they've only been to three Super Bowls in that time. They were losing games. I mean, they lost to Joe, Joey, Joe, Joey Cool, Joe Burrow Joey cool. Uh, last year. And so that tells you the defense at that year was not what the Chiefs needed to win. They didn't have the right defense last year. Um and so, yeah, at, at, there's three things you need to win in the NFL. You need a quarterback to throw the ball, an offensive line to protect them, and a defensive line to go get their quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's your formula. That's your formula for success. You focus on those three things, you'll probably win. And that was the one thing the Raiders did not do this past year, not to get too much into your squad, but they just didn't have – I mean, Crosby was a monster. They didn't add enough pieces for him on the defensive line. And then the O-line itself was dealing with you know injuries here and there. You gotta have you've gotta have all three levels at least on the defensive side of at least one person that can do it. The Khalil Mack piece was just good God. I, I get that 
Davis's cash broke, but you don't you don't let that talent go. That's it's like right the Cowboys there. letting <laughs> trading right Micah Parsons. Anyway, like, what not, are you doing? Not to get too much on your squad. I don't understand what is happening right now. Why are you trading Khalil May? I was so pissed. Oh, that day, Jay. Oh my god, I was hurts, man. One of the, I was one of the maddest people on earth. Anyways, uh, but you're completely right. They didn't set up the defense. They traded Ngakwe and then signed Chandler Jones, who did nothing until midseason and then had that one game against the Patriots. So the defense was horrible. The offensive line was horrible. You got, you got uh, other than Colton Miller, our left tackle, everybody else is pretty much a, a backup on any other team. Um, uh, and before we switch over, because I do want to ask this question to you, because you did reference the Baker Mayfield game after only having the playbook for two freaking days. Uh, is Josh McDaniels the worst coach ever? <laughs> hey, man. So there's levels to this, right? And I'm going to be fair to him in this statement that some coaches are just better, better focusing on one thing. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's a CEO. Some people are better at CTO, COO, CFO, CMO, etc. Right. But not everybody can be the CEO because it requires the wearing of multiple hats while at the same time focusing on sometimes day to day. Sometimes you got to silo yourself and be great at that one thing you are. And that's the one thing that Josh McDaniels isn't. We've shown, we've seen how great of an OC he is. Now, a lot of people want to give that credit to only Brady, but you can't. The development of Brady was truly in the hands of Josh McDaniels and the way that they ran things in New England. He was a part of that. It's You can't discount coaching in all of this. And like I said, Belichick was able to put together a masterful defense and a squad in general. But Tom and Josh worked closely together in sync, so they were able to bounce things off. Just like Tom was, did very well with Brian Leftwich his first year. Uh, Byron Leftwich, but the problem was is that the second year, Tom was old. You can tell that he was terrified because he was getting rid of that ball too dang fast, but I digress. Josh isn't the worst, but he's just not a head coach. That's just not his bag. And once teams figure that out, unfortunately, the Raiders can't get rid of him because it's going to be too expensive to get rid of him right now. We'll see what it looks like when he gets his own quarterback, which he likes to do. I mean, the last quarterback he went and got was Tim Tebow. Hey, what happened? Toasty! You suck, you jackass. So it, it tells me everything I need to know about him as far as um, uh, talent evaluation. But he did do good with Jimmy Garoppolo. So y'all may get Jimmy G as your starting quarterback next year, and he can go out there and uh, be mediocre enough, and uh, hopefully you guys put together a great defense to be able to help protect him uh, throughout the season. Seems like a lateral move to me, if you're being completely honest, if you're going from Carr to Jimmy G. I think it's a downgrade, but, you know. Oh, I mean, really? I, oh, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a Jimmy G purist. Mm. Um, I recognize where and what he is. He is a great plug-in guy, not really a starter. He's like mm. a borderline starter, okay. and he's proven it. 49ers gave him all that money. And then he didn't produce. They got to the Super Bowl. He's throwing interceptions with his eyes closed. And they realized that, oh, you really aren't that good. It's really Kyle Shanahan's scheme. And so that's why they tried to get rid of him. They literally traded three first-round picks with him as their starting quarterback. That tells you everything you need to know, especially with an offensive guru like Kyle Shanahan, who got Matt Ryan an MVP trophy. Wow. That should tell you everything if he thinks that he needs to go get another quarterback. That's 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 your that's your telltale sign. And yeah. so, yeah, I can totally see y'all getting Jimmy G. He'll be cheap and he'll be a good placeholder for whatever quarterback they try to go get. And I think he'll help you all win some games because you know, about, you know, regardless of what I say, he wins games and he does a good job of not turning the ball over. But my question's going to be, is Josh McDaniels a better schemer than Kyle Shanahan to get guys butt naked open mm. like they do in San Francisco for the Raiders? And I'm terrified for Jimmy G on that part. We'll see. But we'll, we'll, I think getting Jimmy G will be smart and then adding um, – want to drive the quarterback. That's what y'all have to do. You have no choice. It's time to go move forward. Just make sure you get a quarterback in the top ten picks. Don't get anything afterwards. Unless you go get Anthony Richardson at like the 30th pick, then, but yeah, don't do that. Uh, 
Well, that's a that's a that's a great segue actually into the draft and the the college uh, ranks. Um, you know, uh, whether we get Jimmy G or Aaron Rodgers, like you said, we're going to have to draft a quarterback either way. I want Aaron Rodgers, even though I've always been high on Jimmy G. Uh, Clubber D, the Combat G, our Combat Sports Insider, he is a 49ers fan, diehard. He's never been high on Jimmy G. Uh, so we always get into like many arguments about that. I'm like, man, yeah, he wins. I said, well, you, I said, my argument is your argument. He wins games. But anyways, uh, moving on from that, uh, how do you feel about this draft coming up? Uh, the top 10 and uh, anything you see there? Man, it's going to be a, a good quarterback, a heavy draft. You know, I think that with C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and I mean, Will Levis as well, and then throwing Anthony Richardson in the fold, you should get at least four quarterbacks drafted in the first round. Okay, I'm pretty uh, excited to see which teams decide to do that. If I'm correct, the Bears have the number one pick, mm-hmm. and they need to put weapons around Justin Fields. And if they're smart, I trade down and go – I trade down, get two first-round picks somehow, mm-hmm. pick up a wide receiver and a defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they use the number one pick, you go get uh, Jalen Carter from uh, right. Georgia. And yep. you just go ahead and build that defense up, and then you start drafting wide receivers and uh, different and offensive linemen and pieces alike or whatnot after that. Because that's the one thing you need. If you can go ahead and build that D-line and that O-line for Fields to where he could work, man, Justin Fields can be special with the right coaching. He can be. He's got the physical tools. He's fast. He's strong. He's got an arm. Um, he's got the, the, the QB IQ you need. You just need to have the right coaching to put him in the most successful spots. Not everyone is built to carry the full load. Like I mentioned, there's Mm -hmm. very few of those. There's Peyton Manning. There's Drew Brees. There's Tom Brady. I think that's about it. I'm going to be absolutely honest. And as much as I love Patrick Mahomes, he's getting there. But Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy do a fantastic job of scheming for him. They get him prepared. And he absorbs all of it. So... And he does a really good job of impromptus and stuff. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one I could say, I guess you could put up there in that tier as well. And I'll go ahead and throw Patrick up there. I think he's at the bottom of that tier. But those quarterbacks that I mentioned are guys that literally can do everything by themselves. They don't even mm-hmm. need an OC most of the time. Um, they can make those adjustments. And I think Patrick is getting to that point. So uh, I think Justin, with the right coaching, I believe he can do that too. It just takes, you got you to gotta get, you got to put some stuff around him. So, this NFL draft is going to be intriguing. I'm really interested in seeing uh, what additional pieces uh, some of these teams grab, but I think it's going to be a, a nice quarterback draft and some nice wide receivers as well. So keep an eye out for that. A crazy, crazy rumor I heard yesterday that apparently is going around some NFL circles is that they're actually two uh, – it was, it was said a few um, decision makers is what they were called at the Senior Bowl – came away with the impression that the Bears were going to trade Justin Fields and then draft another quarterback. What the hell and how do you feel about that? That's kind of one of the dumbest things I've ever heard, but I'm not going to act like I've never uh, heard crazier statements. Like the the one thing you don't do is trade a quarter. When you have a bird in the hand, you don't, you don't get rid of that. It's it now. I'll say this. They want to send him to Tampa Bay. I'm totally here for it. We will gladly take Justin Fields in Tampa Bay. And we can we have the weapons already at wide receiver. Our line is going to be back to probably what it was, at least close to it. So we'll have protection and we'll have a run game. I'll gladly take him in Tampa Bay. That makes no sense to get rid of the quarterback that could do it. But granted, I've learned that most teams don't recognize that it's not the quarterback problem. It's we have a we have a us problem. We're not putting everything around it. We're not get, adding the right pieces. So, yeah, give me a rookie quarterback. I'll take it. A young quarterback. My apologies. I'll take a young quarterback down to Tampa Bay. Sign me up. I, I mean, I would too. Who wouldn't take Justin Fields? Which is why it blew my mind when I heard that. I was like, wait, what? You've got to be kidding me. That is a crazy. They're going to trade Justin Fields. By the way, went healthy in the middle of the season, started running his ass off and just took off in value. Like even in, in not even just in fantasy, which he won a lot of games for a lot of people. I know because I picked him up. But um, it, the Bears started winning. The Bears were actually a, a decent team. Um, so, yeah, that was the craziest thing I heard. And I wanted to make sure that you did that. 
I wasn't going crazy and that you agreed with me there. Well, get the fuck out of here and stop wasting my time. Yeah, oh. I'm, I'm with you. It, it makes no sense. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, let's move on to the uh, upcoming season of, uh, I know it, we're, st- we're still about seven months away, but the upcoming, we haven't <laughs> we just finished, but the college football season. Obviously, your Sooners, the Texas Longhorns, uh, the UC- my Bruins, and the USC uh, condoms. Uh, fuck them. Anyways, uh, <laughs> what are you hearing about all of this? What's the new updates on this? Uh, do you know anything about the, the, the format? Because I know I was hearing the Big Ten is going to do a uh, format where they play you know, three uh, three teams every year, and then they, they rotate other teams every so often. Um, anyways, what are your thoughts on all of that coming up? Yeah, I heard that, that everybody's going into a quote-unquote pod-type system with the three-team three type deal. I heard the SEC is going to do something similar. Nothing has been announced yet from, you know, really anybody. That's what everybody – I guess that's what both of them are trying to figure out. And I'm expecting probably some announcements on that by summer. June, July-ish is what I've been hearing rumors on. But, no, it's – I like it. Um, I saw that my Sooners, potentially their, their pod teams uh, were – Missouri and Arkansas. That's that's kind of like some rumors I saw floating around. Uh, Missouri, Arkansas, and Texas now be their three teams. Which, granted, that that's awesome for us. I'm totally here for it. It's right next to each other. It's not a far travel. Um, a good set of a good rival, at least a good set of with Arkansas and um, Texas. You know, you know, horns down as usual here in these streets. But I think it'll be uh, cool to see. All of that um, happened. But outside of that, I mean, Oklahoma, of course, Oklahoma and Texas are definitely headed to the SEC next season. They came to an agreement with the Big 12 and the TV partners. They're going to forfeit. Each of will forfeit $50 million in revenue that's coming in and, you know, go ahead and bounce out a year early. Now, it's so funny. People are wondering what, you know, what took so long to get this deal done. It, it had nothing to do with Oklahoma or Texas. They came to an agreement a long time ago. Ooh. The big thing is that Fox is losing some very right. valuable inventory once these two teams leave. And because think about it, who's what's the draw in the Big 12? That, Who is everybody it. watching in the Big 12? Literally is Texas and Oklahoma. That's it. That's the that's the draw. You watch there. Those teams, those are two historic teams, uh, Blue Bloods that really dominate, have always dominated the conference. I mean, Oklahoma has won majority of the Big 12 championships since the whole conference existed. So they have more Big 12 championships than all the other Big 12 teams combined. So that tells you something. They're the draw for the conference. They are the king of the conference. And once you lose that, takes away from the luster of wanting to even tune in. So they're going to have to rebuild the brand around the Big 12. I'm prompt, they're probably going to have to focus it more so around BYU. They're probably the only other national brand that's in conference now. Uh, you may think that that's weird, but BYU, Mormons, that they follow, that that mm-hmm. that church follows that school. You can find them anywhere in the country. You will be surprised if you see a BYU shirt. You'll probably be like, "Oh wait, they maybe must be a Mormon." Because it's it's I'm not gonna I'm not right. BSing you. It's true. It's similar to Notre Dame. That's how Notre Dame has such a big following, a Catholic following or whatnot. They're a national brand, and so a lot of people follow them specifically for that. So that's probably what they're gonna focus on. But I'm not sure how the Big Twelve is gonna do it. Now the Pac-12, man, I got some stuff I was gonna record on them, man. They can't even find a TV deal right now, and because nobody, they don't have the inventory either. Like. Their top schools are going to be, well, the thing that they, if they're smart, the thing they leverage is the fact mm. that Colorado is okay. in their conference. That's literally all they have right now outside of right, Oregon. Right, right. And this is why I say that, Coach Prime, you milk the Deion Sanders storyline for as much as you can get out of that. And if the Big 12 is smart, they go after Utah and Colorado and get them over. Don't worry about the other schools. Now, everybody's like, oh, you got to get Oregon. No, 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 no. You don't. You don't need them. You don't need Oregon. You don't need Washington. You get Colorado mm-hmm. and you get Utah. It keeps your conference kind of in the middle of the country while at the same time giving you one of the biggest names in college football right now in Coach Prime. You take you milk the Deion Sanders storyline for as much as you possibly can. And I think the Pac-12 is kind of fumbling the bag with that one. That's who you go for. And you pray that you keep him in conference. You find that yeah. if, if he wants a bigger job, you go give – you give him Oregon. You find a way to get him at. Uh, I, I don't think you go Cal. You probably not, not even Stanford. You keep him yep. at Colorado, or you get him at Oregon. You keep him around. 
that's what you do. Um, so that's the play that the, the Pac-12 needs to go for. They're not. And the problem is they need to add more teams. So going back to the Pac-10, and I don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, you're losing a lot of real estate, losing USC and uh, UCLA. Uh, that's too critical, critical, critical real estate. Because when those teams are good, California cares about them. They don't really focus on anybody else, even Cal, which is always fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah, and and everything you said is spot on. Uh, the Pac-10, as you mentioned, their inventory, just like y'all's inventory, was Texas and Oklahoma. Theirs is UCLA and USC, just like you said. So they're losing all that, and that is not helping them at all in the TV deals. Not to mention the fact that they could lose more schools, as you mentioned. So um, yes. You're completely right. They do need to hold. I was thinking they just needed to make sure they hold on to Oregon, but I was not even thinking about the whole Coach Prime thing now that Deion Sanders is in conference, which, by the way, I love Deion Sanders, and I love the fact that he is shaking up college football. I absolutely love it. Please disrupt the the the, the, the status quo because it's been that way for way too long. Uh, but you're right. They're going to have to do something uh, to keep him, to keep the teams around uh, for a TV deal, or if not, they're, they're going to have to do some merging with some other lower conferences, and they're probably just going to end up going to the wayside as a lower conference as the SEC and Big Ten become the super conferences, as we know. Um, so thank you for all yep. of that great analysis, my friend. Um, all right, well, hey, let's move on to the last topic. The, the big stories I really wanted to get into, the NBA. It is heating up. We all know come springtime is when the players actually start to care and they actually start to play. And, uh, you know, after the All-Star break, we get people uh, feeling like it's playoff atmosphere ball. Um, so we recently just had the trade deadline. Kyrie finally forced his way out after years. Uh, spurring the breakup of what was supposed to be the biggest super team ever, which is now the biggest flop ever, in my opinion. My friend, what are your thoughts on the trade deadline? What are your thoughts on Kyrie? What are your thoughts on KD going to Phoenix? Yeah, man, there's a lot of movement in the NBA, and I'm going to give them some props for this. Putting the trade deadline during Super Bowl week was genius. Genius. And I hope they do this every year because it does break up the conversations around the Super Bowl. And, and you know, I, as someone that does podcasting and working in the media itself, it's hard pressed to find new topics to talk about around the Super Bowl for two weeks. It gets tough. Uh, I mean, the bigger thing you're looking at is injuries and quarterback comparisons. And that's really it. For them, they just added a great a great conversation piece in the middle of everything, especially because of Super Bowl week itself. That's when things get a little boring, in my personal opinion. You can only say so much about teams. Now, having the trade deadline in between there, it's not it's nonstop action for like four or five days. And so, the Kyrie piece and the big tw- the big three that they had there at the at Brooklyn was fascinating because it's definitely the worst experiment ever created. It's the worst big three ever. It was no success. James Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant played for 16 games together, and they were 13-3. and three. So, of course, they were winning. But what the problem you got out of that is that they there was no, there was no, no long-term success. Completely bad. From there, <laughs> from that portion of it, um, I didn't realize they only played 16 games together. Those three, 16 games, oh man. Oh, my. Uh, James recognized how much of a sinking ship that was, too, just like he recognized that Houston. And I get everybody's not very happy with James Harden forcing his way around, but when your team wants to tank, and you're just like, nah, man, I've been to the playoffs every year. Why would I do want to do that? And I understand a lot of people are, you know, beef with James Harden and his decision to want to leave Brooklyn. He saw the writing on the wall. He doesn't want to be on a team that's tanking. He don't want to see a team that's got a lot of drama, too, and especially with the Kyrie piece and him not wanting to play. But I digress off of James. Let's dive into the Kyrie trade. I'm trying to figure out why Brooklyn didn't do this over the summer. Like, Kevin wanted to go. Y'all knew y'all weren't going to pay Kyrie. Y'all should have went ahead full, full deep in on the tank back in the summertime and just call it a day. Right. And all you... It, Bomani Jones mentioned this on uh, a few shows over the summer and as the season came up, especially after the uh, the tweet about the 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 video on Amazon that uh, Kyrie put on his Twitter account. He wasn't promoting, but he decided to retweet it. 
so that all his millions of followers can go check it out, um, that he didn't expect him to play another game. He thought that he was going to get cut, and he didn't think that you know people want to pick him up and deal with that. And he was wrong. Kyrie ended up playing, but if you look at the trade that Kyrie went to Dallas, they basically gave him away. Rudy Gobert got four first-round picks. You don't think Kyrie's worth that? Probably one of the greatest point guard and with handles. Dude that can get a bucket anytime he wants to. Yeah, you don't just give him away for second for a first years down the line in a few seconds. You get a couple of firsts out of him. And no either nobody wants to pay it or they were like, man, we gotta get rid of this dude. Somebody take him off our, our hands. That to me was more that was more of an indictment of how poor the Nets handled the situation than anything. Now, as you're watching Dallas and uh, Brooklyn, uh, Dallas and uh, the Kyrie and the, the Luka Doncic play together go right now, it's kind of fascinating watching them trying to figure mm. out who's going to take the game winning shot. That last game when they did that was, uh, yeah, it was brutal. And it's a situation where I just think that it's going to take some adjustment time, but I don't think it's going to be successful. And it's no shade to anybody there. It's more so that it, you, if you've noticed, Kyrie just doesn't, he doesn't last anywhere. Uh, it wasn't, in his mind, it wasn't him in Cleveland. He went out of LeBron's shadow. It wasn't him in Boston. I have no clue what happened there. And then now it wasn't him in Brooklyn. Uh, it was him. But if you go through those, if you go through it, there's a common denominator in all three of those situations. So we'll see what it looks like in Dallas. But um, Dallas taking a taking a flyer on him for as cheap as it was, definitely worth it. Now, Phoenix and Kevin Durant, you're going to have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker as your wings with a point guard that mm. knows how to distribute and can play very well without both of them on the court. Yeah, Phoenix might be doing something. Now, the only problem I have with Phoenix is they're getting old. Chris Paul's old. He mm. can't stay healthy. We've seen this his entire career. I mean, we have seen this. Uh, KD is coming off another injury. He hasn't played more than, what, 50 games in a season in the last three years since that Achilles injury happened. So I'm curious to see, is Kevin going to be healthy? Is Chris Paul going to be healthy? And that will work. And I think Devin Booker's a dude that has no problem with stepping back, especially when you have a talent like Kevin Durant on the team. He's going to be like, you know what? Hmm. Let Kevin do his thing. We'll make it happen. And so I think I think Devin is going to be very receptive of it. The question is going to be is what everything around them is going to look like. And um, I'm not really concerned about them defensively like everybody else is. Once you get to half-court basketball, things – really change up. And I think that they'll be able to do enough defensively to win games. I'm curious to help. That's the only question I have. And honestly, that was the only question I had with Brooklyn. And guess what happened? They couldn't stay healthy past the first round any season together. So kind of, I kind of predict this stuff, especially if you've been experienced in watching sports your entire life, you recognize that attrition is one of the key factors. We got guys that don't handle attrition very well. So let's see what it looks like. Outside of that, I think, you know, the trade deadline was good. Uh, the Lakers did very well. I'm glad that they made the moves they made, getting Mo Bamba, okay. getting D'Angelo Russell. That was smart. They needed that. Uh, they just needed a, a, just a new push. And I think Mo Bamba coming in at the big, now he's coming off suspension and playing. Oh, my goodness. That's going to help them a lot. Now, will they go anywhere? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I don't know if they'll even make the playoffs. I'm going to keep it a buck. And I Ooh, say that okay. only because we got to stop thinking that LeBron James at 38 years old, even him doing the amazing things that he's doing, can carry a team by himself now. The load's too heavy at this age. Um, we've seen this with other star, old old star players. They you The human body has limits, and father time is undefeated. Mm-hmm. So the question undefeated. with LeBron is, is can he get everybody else up to playing at the right level for there to be successful long term? Dude's got miles. Yep. He's got miles on that body. We've got to stop pretending mm-hmm. that he yep. doesn't. Besides that, I feel bad that we're not really talking about it. I know you listened to my pod when I talked about him and the scoring record and how basically we've ignored it. And I feel bad for him. He did it in the wrong week. This is the week he should have did it. Um, he probably should have tried to break the record like last night, right before All-Star break. We would have talked about it all the way through All-Star weekend. It would have been perfect. We would have given him all the accolades at that point, but he wanted to do it during Super Bowl week, which was a good breakup of information, while at the same time getting him fully ignored because the trade deadline, the Super Bowl, and then him, 
It's a record that deserves to be praised because it's a record we didn't think was ever going to get broken. And I promise you, it's going to take another 30 years for it to happen again. We have nobody in the league that can has that type of longevity. And it's been proven. Health is hard in, in NBA today in comparison to like the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we can say that back then was quote-unquote tougher. The difference between back then and today is they play a hell of a lot more basketball today than they did back then. Um, I remember reading articles. I think it was either uh, Bill Russell or Wilt Chamberlain mentioned this. And I think MJ said this as well. When the season was over, they took like two months off and did nothing basketball related. Jordan would play golf every day, smoke his cigars, but he played golf every day. He wasn't getting into shape at that time. He probably was lifting, playing some right. pickup ball, but he's not playing organized um, basketball every single summer mm. like that. They're playing pickup ball and just having fun. You can slack in pickup ball. You can't slack in the um, in the, the USA games or the Pan America games. They play a lot more basketball right. today than they did back in the day. And those human, the human body has limits. They're falling apart, you, especially if the youth, the way they play. They play organized training, uh, weights mm-hmm. and, and drills nonstop at a young age. They're falling apart in high school. So um, there was an article ESPN did back in like 2014 was talking about players in like uh, the surgeries, like these uh, orthopedic surgeons talking about doing ACL reconstructive surgery on 14 year olds all the time. Like, I got one player. He said one player, he did like three of them within a two year span in high school, That's or middle school. And they're still growing, so yeah, it's not it. And I mean, it's not it's not uncommon for you to have to do those surgeries, but it's odd when you have to do the sports related ones a lot. And that's where we're starting to see some of these problems. So besides that, no excuse for them. It's just more so it's a reality of the human body. I yeah. wish the human body didn't give us excuses, but it does. Uh, but it's a but it's a it's a milestone that we need to praise. We need to praise that LeBron was able to break this record because it's a huge one. It's one of the many unbreakable ones that we probably won't see. And now go down the list. It's, it's a fun topic to do with someone in a podcast. Let's go down some of these unbreakable records that are left. See which ones needs to get broken. Hmm. I've already got like five that I think will never get broken again. Really? Can you give us yeah. one of those at least? <laughs> I love sure. Um, John Stockton's uh, assist record won't mm-hmm. get broken. Will Chamberlain's yes. rebound record will not get broken. Oh. Um, if you want to go into other sports, college football, Barry Sanders, single season college uh, football record of uh, rushing record of 226, 28, 2,628 rushing yards will that's not tough. get broken. Ron yeah. Dane's career record of 7,000 rushing yards probably won't get broken. Yeah. Uh, Eric Dickerson's NFL rushing record of over 20 was a 2,158. I don't think Something that's going like to that. broken either. So, yeah, there's a lot of interesting records out there in a single season or career uh, that seem like they'll never get broken. I don't think Emmett Smith is going to be broken either. If you want to think about it, rush That's a lot. Yeah. A lot of yards. You need Who's that longevity, do it? right? Let's get this straight now. All I have in this world is my balls and my word, and I don't break them for no one. Do you understand? That's the hardest thing to have get. that long, right? Yeah. Correct. Exactly. So it's fascinating uh, social experiment to do to talk through, but uh, yeah, man, we got to praise LeBron for that one. That's that, that's deserving. You know, uh, as a Celtic fan and a known LeBron hater, uh, I have to give him his props. Like you said, it was a record we never thought would be broken. And when he started getting close and they kept talking about it more and more, I was like, wait a second. Is he really breaking that record? Like the one Carl Malone couldn't even get to um, with all the years that he played? So you're right. LeBron is just at another level, even at the age of 38, still playing really well. Um, you know, I obviously have him after Michael Jordan, you know, one and two, but that can be just discussed between anyone, depending yeah. on your age. Um, uh, which by the way, I, I think you're around my age, so I'm assuming, uh, you're going Jordan, but, uh, for the most part. Yeah. I think there's an argument for LeBron in some things. I think LeBron is the most complete player we've ever seen in NBA history. I think Jordan's the greatest scorer overall. Like um, I don't. Rings culture is one of the biggest problems when it comes to this GOAT debate because everybody Ooh. says, well, Jordan went to six finals and he's got six. Not, I honestly traditionally do not have this argument with anybody or conversation with people because nobody's mm. realistic when it comes to this stuff. Everyone makes it seem like Jordan did all of this by himself. He got six rings with Scottie Pittman. He did right. nothing without Scottie. Um, you have to have that. And we can't say that LeBron had a single sidekick at the Scottie Pippen status. 
Scotty was top five in MVPs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he went and played with D-Wade, D-Wade was hurt. So I digress. I'm not going to go too deep into that. But my point is, um, if we're going to go rings, is Bill Russell. I think Robert mm-hmm. Ory may have an argument, too, even though Robert Ory was never a number one option. Uh, even Kareem. We have to give them their props, too. I don't care what era they played in. They played in a tougher era, in my personal opinion. But we've got to uh, we've got to consider all facets of it. And so that's where I give LeBron some uh, leeway with things, because a lot of the game requires your front office to actually be competent. Right. Period. And nobody wants to play with a whole bunch of YMCA dudes. MJ didn't either. Ever. Ever, uh, uh, but sometimes when you do have that salary cap to pay attention to, and you Creativity have activity by the front office, that's exactly what you just said. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome analysis. Thank you so much. You're right. That does uh, need to be celebrated, and it got completely ignored. You're right. It got completely overshadowed. It happened, and the next day it was gone. Um, so yeah, I I, I definitely uh, talked about it on my pod. You did as well, so hopefully more people will bring it to the light, even if I am a LeBron hater. That being said, <laughs> last question before we let you go. Uh, you did say you don't even know if the Lakers will make the playoffs. You said you like the the Suns, but they're old. Who do you have right now as your finals uh, teams going? I mean, right now, I mean, even as a flyover into in the in, a, in, in the NBA, you really can't argue anything about the Milwaukee Bucks against the Bucks Ooh. at all. I mean, they've got Giannis. They've got probably arguably the best player in the NBA right now. And a healthy and Middleton's then, back, too. And healthy Middleton. Well, Giannis kind of got banged up, it looks like, in the um, – in that uh, uh, Bulls game last night. So he's a little bit on the injury side. Yeah, he hurt his wrist, so he might not even be in the All-Star game because of it. Mm. So, yeah, that could potentially happen. But it's hard to argue against Boston and Milwaukee. It's really tough. I mean, both of them, they're about half a game apart from each other. So that's something to go with. And honestly, the West is wide open. And I say that to no shade on the Denver Nuggets. I'm going to talk about them more in depth um, on my pod, but there's a reason why we don't respect them. There is a reason. And I, I would like to say that, you know, we – Jokic has won two MVPs. He could he could easily win a third because he's playing – he's doing something we've never seen before. He's the leader in the poll uh, right now. Yes, because his win share is absurd. Like he is – like when you look at the advanced numbers on it, and I know a lot of people don't like advanced numbers for whatever reason – but go look at everything that he is doing on the court. He's a passer, shooter, score, rebound. He does everything. And he does it with so much ease. Mm-hmm. He's probably good. He's on the verge of a 50-40-90 season. Have you ever thought of hearing that from a big man? Say what? That's a guard stat. A guard stat. And this man is on the verge of it. Like, he's right there. At, he's like 39% from three, and he's right there at 82% from free throws. So if he just ups those numbers more, he could be right there at a 50-49. He's 63% from the field. Wow. Absurd. 63%. He's he averaged a triple-double, just under a triple-double last season, and he might get a triple-double this season. He might average a triple-double. Hmm. As a big man, that's something that's – we ain't seen that before, and so that should be praised. But the problem for the Denver Nuggets is, is that they've had a lot of really good records over the last twenty years, and they always falter. Yep, in the first round. Yep, they went to the conference finals once in nineteen twenty season. Um, yeah, and they didn't. Yeah, yeah, didn't give us anything. So. Yeah, we say the team's better. They look good. We've seen them with top seeds and just not produce. We have to ask ourselves, are they – they get the respect once they get us a finals. Mm. Let's put it that way. Yes. Yes. I was actually watching PTI yesterday and Kornheiser and Wilbon were talking about this and Kornheiser was even getting to the point that it might be an empty hollow MVP trophy if he wins again, because is he really, even though with, with everything you just said, which I agree with you, but he was saying, you know, is he really on the level of Bird 
and Wilt, who are the only other players to win those three MVPs, right? There's like a high, it's like a high uh, list of people. Does Jokic belong there, right? So that's a that's a huge debate you could have. Yeah, it is. It's a question to ask, and it's worth having the debate because you, you have to ask that question of why Jokic deserves it over hmm. anybody else. Because remember, they we've had we've had Jordan fatigue. We've had LeBron fatigue. Honestly, I think LeBron should have probably won three more MVPs over his career. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I think Jordan probably should have won three or four more over his career. Could have won every year. <laughs> right. Those Malone ones, I don't know why we thought that he should have got them over MJ, but I digress. We we get tired of the same – the NBA is different from other sports to where one player can truly make a massive difference, mm. and that's where these MVP conversations come in. It makes it tough. Yeah. So because of that, it's easy to see that Jokic is the MVP. I think I would probably take Embiid over him just because of Embiid's defensive abilities in comparison. Okay. But – it's hard to argue against Jokic and Giannis mm-hmm. because there's nobody else in the league really that is MVP worthy right now in comparison statistically into where they're playing. Uh, one up and coming one to keep your eyes out on is Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, on my yes. thunder. So he's starting to evolve into a threat in this league. But outside of that, it's hard. But Denver does not have anything in their track record that tells me, oh, I can rely on them. They have made one conference finals since having Jokic. One, they have um, they made the semis twice. They they usually cannot make it past the first, the second round, mm-hmm. and they've got a ton of first round exits. In the last twenty years, they've made it to two conference finals. Wow! While making it to the playoffs just about every year, with winning their division, with having top three seeds, they've made it to two conference finals. So. I cannot in good conscience say, oh, man, the Nuggets are definitely going to be something special because something always happens. Always, yeah. yeah. Yep. And I, I also don't even think they're aside from Jamal Murray and maybe a little bit of Michael Porter. I don't really even think they have uh, much of a, a deep a deep bench after that anyway. So I agree with you on SGA coming up. He made the all-star team, didn't he? Oh, yes, he did. Finally. Yes, he did. Finally yeah. got some respect. Yeah. Finally getting that respect. Uh I will say I did put a twenty dollar flyer flyer on Tatum this morning because he's plus eighteen hundred on FanDuel uh, for anyone out there that wants to go bet. Um, so I, I was like, man, I got to take that. I didn't know he was at that big of an odds. So, uh, anyways, but thank you so very much, Jay. Amazing, amazing analysis as always. We will be putting this podcast up here in the next week and then we will also be cutting these down and repurposing them for our new youtube channel the ball and buds channel so go ahead and check that out as well please go and support our man jay at unfair sports he has his podcast go subscribe go rate review gift those five stars as he likes to say and as well Go hit that YouTube channel. He has the new Sooner Network as well for any of those college football fans out there. I know I just gave away anything, but anything else you want to plug, my friend, please do. Nah, man, I just I appreciate everybody, man. I appreciate you having me on, Omar. Pull up at the channel. You know, we're talking, uh, we're talking just about everything, man. So we love to have you guys around. Appreciate the love. Hey, most up again, unfair sports. Go check Jay out, and we will see him again soon. Thank you, my brother. All righty. Peace. And you know how we'd like to end things here at the Ball and Buds podcast with Omar's epilogue. And yes, in my outro, since we did have our Super Bowl review, I did want to talk about the hot debate going on now that we just had the coaching hiring season and and now that that has ended and all five jobs have now been filled we have found that Eric Bieniemy was once again left out of the coaching hiring selection process for another year First of all, let's start with some background. The Chiefs have been to five straight AFC championships, making it to the Super Bowl three times and winning it twice. 
each of those years, Eric Bieniemy was the team's offensive coordinator. So why can't he get a chance to be a head coach when all of these other coordinators, not even Super Bowl winning ones, have been hired before him? So let's look at this most recent cycle of hires. Eric Bieniemy and his Kansas City Chiefs beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles' two coordinators, both the offensive and defensive coordinators, Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen. Now, again, Eric Bieniemy was on the winning team. He has been the winning coordinator for two Super Bowls. These two coordinators lost the Super Bowl and were still hired. Get the fuck out of here. By the Arizona Cardinals and the Indianapolis Colts, respectively. Why don't you get the fuck out of here? Which is funny, since Eric Bieniemy's offense completely dominated Gannon's defense in the second half of the Super Bowl. And also funny in that process is the fact that Bieniemy was interviewed by the Colts who hired, who went, who went on to hire Shane Steichen, and yet Eric Bieniemy did not make the top seven. He did not make the final seven. How is that even fucking possible? You're telling me you have a head coach vacancy and he couldn't make the top seven? Come on now. Come on now. What we doing? What is we doing here? Oh, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Now get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here with that. So what are the theories behind this? There's a bunch of different theories. Uh, he, he does, he's not a good leader. He doesn't have a good relationship with some of the players. Uh, he needs to get out of Andy Reid's shadow because he does, needs to run an offense on his own because all Andy Reid is getting all the credit. There's some of the things that have happened in his past, which were well over 20 years ago of trouble he got into as a youngster. Um, there's many different theories going around. But one thing we do know is whatever is the real reasoning behind this, which obviously there's going to be different reasonings for different reasons as to why he wasn't hired. One thing that will never change is that he is a black coach. That will never change. So while we may want to ignore and say, Oh, that has nothing to... Oh, well, some people, rather, may say that has nothing to do with it. It's ridiculous to try to assert that that is the case. Especially when you've seen white coaches over the past few years get hired over him who have sucked. Actually, the statistic is that there have been... Because he has interviewed for for 16 jobs now over the past few years... Only three of the 16 coaches picked over him made the playoffs. Three. The other 13 never made the playoffs. So you're telling me you can't give him a chance, but you give all these other shitty head coaches a chance. Adam Gase, Urban Meyer, Nathaniel Hackett, Joe Judge, Matt Rule, and my favorite, Josh McDaniels. You suck, you jackass. So why can't Eric Bieniemy get the job? We've talked about all the different theories that are being abounded. Um, there's other theories that people don't want to be the one to hire him because they're going to look woke or things like that. There's also even going further. And if you heard Uncle Ruckus, a.k.a. Jason Whitlock, who... <laughs> Keep on shucking and jiving to make that money there, Whitlock. Anyways, he had the nerve to say it has nothing to do with the color of his skin. And rather, and get this, this was so, I didn't even see this coming from his argument. At first, I, I was actually, he was talking about it being a scripted TV show and people getting written off. And I was like, yeah, I can actually see that. But then he just went totally off board and started going into the matriarchal uh, factors of the black culture or the black segment of America, um, even going into talking about the Woman King movie and saying that black men are no longer men anymore because they're all raised by women and the same kind of stick that he always 
always goes into, right? The same kind of bullshit that he's always talking about when we all know that he's a piece of shit just talking out the side of his ass. But, you know, he does it to get views. He does it to get the hot takes so he can get paid for it. Whatever. Do your thing. I don't care. Doesn't matter to me, but I know he's a piece of shit. So whatever. And I know that there's no way in hell it has nothing to do with the fact that he's black. Is it everything? No. And you also can't tell me it's because of the matriarchal factor of the black culture. Shut the fuck up. You dumb, stupid motherfucker. You know what that crazy bitch was into? What? What? She wanted to stick a dildo up my ass, make believe she was pimping me out. I told her to get the fuck out of here. He went on to say it's our fault, the black population it's our fault for maintaining and buying into a matriarchal culture if you continue to be on your knees and be a beta male and a coward eventually you're going to get written out of the script i think he was talking about himself because whitlock continues to be on his knees uncle ruckus and it up for all the white men and uh is definitely a beta male so uh you keep shucking and jiving there whitlock but uh that's some bullshit and you know it yourself Ah, here it is. My test results. Can you hear my heart beating? Oh, the white man, science is amazing, ain't it? Oh, no. This, this, this can't be. It says I'm 102% African with a 2% margin of error. Why, Lord? Why, Lord, why? And that's why there is a group of former black NFL head coaches suing the league for discrimination. Because it is true. Nearly 70% of the NFL players are black, but just three of the league's 32 coaches are black. Mike Tomlin, Todd Bowles, and D'Amico Ryans, who just got hired. Mike McDaniels, biracial, if you want to count three and a half, possibly four. So what are we really talking about? Obviously not what Whitlock's talking about. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out. Halloween. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out of here, you Get the fuck out of here. Now, you can't tell me, though, after five years and winning multiple Super Bowls, that this guy does not deserve a head coaching job, because he does. Because 13 out of the 16 didn't even make the playoffs. So the majority of the time, you're not going to get anything good anyways. Why not give him a shot? Anyways, that's my two cents on the matter. Uh, hopefully, he is going to the Commanders now to be a offensive coordinator and take over his own offense. Hopefully, they'll make him the coach in waiting there after Ron Rivera leaves. Or, hopefully, he will be hired after he can prove that he can have a decent offense, although he's being put in a totally shitty situation. Um, does Washington have some decent skill players? Sure. Uh, is that an offense that was made to thrive? No. Um, so he's got a long wake up up to dig. But whatever process it is that these teams are using to select coaches in the past few years over Eric Bieniemy is clearly a failed system. And it's clearly not working. And it's always about the qualifications unless that coach is black. Thank you for tuning in, my friends. Make sure to support your boy. And as always, subscribe to stay updated and download all the new episodes. And we want everyone to join us. So please download, like, listen, share all over your social media. Until next time, stay safe, take care of yourself, be kind to each other, and spread love. The Omar way. Oh, my God.